Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. Hey, Alex, what's up? You know, I spent all last year dog sitting and uh, it's carried into this year. So I'm looking after my parents' dog, Tucker, for about two months. And I thought this would be good for me because it would remind me why I don't need a dog. But uh, there's one problem. I've fallen in love with him and I want to keep him and or get a dog immediately. I think you should hold him ransom and never give him back to your parents or demand money. Yeah. You know what? I could. I could demand money to give him back. Win-win. <laughs> Either they don't pay up, I keep him, or I have enough money to buy a dog. <laughs> it would be amazing. He is very cute. You guys have had some great adventures in your course of time. And so I love seeing all your stories with him. I love oh having a dog. Gosh. It is, so- it's nice companionship. I've like went for a while. You would be proud of my step count, Amy. Ugh. Like my step count through the roof. Nice. Um, and I took him to the mountains and like that boy's a mountain dog. He was so good. I had so much energy, way more energy yeah. than me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this that. is bad news bears. I might be getting a dog. I'm here for it. I will happily be your dog auntie. <laughs> okay, great. I feel like in the past you're like, don't do it. I mean, it is tough. I, I think it's just tough, but it, it's a good reason to come home, right? It's a good reason to regulate. I have a, I think I have too much guilt if I'm not home. So that's my biggest yeah. thing. So I feel like I, it's nice to have help with a dog, but. Fair. I'm uh, home a lot, so <laughs> might work out. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, Ames, what's up with you? Well, I was very fortunate to attend my first uh, educational sweat lodge with part of teacher's convention. And it was such a beautiful experience. Picture this. I got to drive out to the mountains, join in the teachings of indigenous practice, where it was very positively informed because we got to tap into the spirituality of this beautiful uh, ceremony called sweat. And being a part of it just reminded me how matriarchal certain societies have been historically. And one of the impacts was that women are not to be in the sweat if they're on their moon cycle. And that's just because they have like a really close relation to life and death in that moment, which makes them very powerful. In indigenous culture, women do have a lot of power. They are seen as, you know, very significant in society. And I... I think sometimes our society pulls away from that. And so it's so nice to see that celebration again in cultures and recognize the importance of women. So it was just a really beautiful moment. I was so moved by it. And I think, yeah, it as a positive role model female, like I was like, I needed to hear that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Sounds like a really good experience. And yeah. sounds like you learned something at convention. That might be a first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, other teachers are listening (laughs) actually they know (laughs) we all know we all know what's up (laughs) a mandatory Um, pd (laughs) tell me about it so this week we are going over hockey rules for dummies emphasis on the dummies because amy and i are gonna (laughs) fumble our way through explaining hockey to you because of my love of the pwhl 
the Professional Women's Hockey League. So stay tuned for that. There might be some laughs. You might learn something. You might not. And Amy has a great question about, well, CanStat has reported the lowest birth rate in Canada. Yeah. So we're going to go over why women are having less children. Totally. To childless adults. So um, (laughs) we're professionals in both topics. And (laughs) that's... What's up? Okay, Amy, hockey for dummies. Here we go. Starring Um, your dummy, Amy, but I'm here for it, Alex. Yeah. So like we, hockey, you know, we know some words, right? We got puck, skates, net, goalie, ice. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Wrap it up. Done. No. um, So in hockey, you have your five players on the ice and a goalie and the goal is to get the puck in the net. However, I find some people are like, oh my gosh, there's a few rules and calls that I always get confused about. One of them being icing. Um, mm. so I'll start off with that. My, I remember my dad telling me about this, actually. So my knowledge is from my father. So picture this. I'm playing hockey. Great yeah. sight. So on my team, if I'm by my goalie's net and I want to get the puck out of my end, I can ice the puck. So that means you like hit the puck and it crosses center line and it goes into the opponent's area. Okay. And so then you think of it as like a race to the puck for what happens next. If someone on my team gets to the puck first, play resumes and not resumes, like it just continues. No whistle mm-hmm. is blown. And then if the opponent gets to the puck first, a whistle is blown and then there's a face off once again back in my end. So okay. it's a way of getting like the puck out of your net area -hmm. it's a way of controlling the puck essentially yes and also like strategically too yes and what i think is like cool is you can like hit it out and then if someone from your team gets it no whistle is blown right like i like that like it's like a race to the puck to see what happens next so that's icing offside is something that has forever confused me but water polo expert over here amy (laughs) is gonna explain offside well offside is in many sports already so that's how i know what offside is but offside is when you the offensive player is bringing up the ball and there's a certain zone in this case in hockey it's the blue line so you can't pass to your partner who's already passed the blue line that offensive player near the net to avoid cherry picking, either has to carry the puck up themselves with the puck leading the way, or that has to be shot into that blue offensive zone and they skate towards it before shooting. So that is also just to avoid like someone just constantly hanging by the net and just being ready to shoot all the time. And so that's offside. <clears throat> I know that, that makes, <laughs> makes sense to me though, now that we explain it. Yeah. Um, Another like odd thing about hockey, and we were talking about this the other day, and it's hard because like I don't watch a lot of sports in general. So I'm like, "Mm, does this happen in other sports? But pulling lines on and off the ice doesn't happen with a whistle. So like in other games, you might sub players in and out and you have to wait for the whistle to do that. Whereas in hockey, you basically come and go as you please, almost not as you please, but like um, (laughs) still probably adhering to the six people on ice rule absolutely yes and like you have lines still so like when you're in play and you're switching lines you might see like the forward of the other line come out then you know okay it's time for me to come off the ice when I can so if you're like obviously 
in control of the puck you're not just going to leave the ice immediately but when the new line starts coming out you start coming off and it just kind of happens all simultaneously and I feel like people watching sometime are like how do you know what's going on but yeah you don't have to wait for a whistle to blow to change people on the ice I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting. You know what? Now that I've watched like some minor hockey of children, I realize that's like a huge part to train them in that. Just the subbing on, subbing off. Because it is like, you've got to be alert. You've got to be game aware. You've got to have some sense of your position. And then like, it's Mm -hmm. just flowing really Mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah. And like your time on the ice is usually like pretty quick. Like (laughs) you're not like in other, like say volleyball, you're on the court for a long time. Yeah. On hockey, sometimes like one minute. Yeah. Speaking of minutes. I know you can get kicked out of the game or sat in the penalty box for a few things. What are those things? Absolutely. Okay. So um, there's different like types of penalties. So a minor penalty would be things like elbowing, tripping, cross-checking, and a penalty is two minutes. A major penalty might be 10 minutes, which is things like checking from behind, fighting. Those are going to be major penalties. And then there's always like big misconduct where you can get kicked out of the game where you're like um, bad-mouthing a ref or anything like that. However, this was an interesting thing that I learned is a goalie can get a penalty for like, same, like tripping, that kind of stuff. But they don't, they did the crime, but they don't serve the time. Mm -hmm. If a goalie gets a penalty, someone on the ice at the time that's on your team serves the time for the goalie. You don't pull them for a penalty, which is interesting to me. Yeah, they're the sacred player. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what they call them. (laughs) They're a really important player. Speaking of which, Alex, can I ask you if you happen to know what a hat trick is? Because I do know that exists in hockey. Yes. Can you please tell me your experience with hat trick? Well, I am the last NHL game that I've got to go. As some of you may know, I live right across from the Saddle Dome. So my first NHL game was in 2023 because I am not so fortunate to be connected to hockey, but I have been to more games living close to here. And I got to see the live version of Hattrick on the on the ice hockey. And I it has to do, and this is actually in multiple sports, is like a Hattrick is when three consecutive goals or completions are made by one player. And so when people do that in ice hockey, they throw their hat on the ice, which I think is really cool. I mean, I also have lots of questions like what happens to all those hats? Where do they go? But mm-hmm. this actually originates from British cricket. And so when a bowler who is pitching the ball gets three batsmen out, they actually earn themselves a hat. So that's why it's called a hat trick. So hat tricks exist in all sports. Like you hear people say that like, oh, they're going to complete a hat trick or they like celebrate a hat trick. But I thought at first it would have to do with a player, but it's actually hat trick. So I now that you've told me about this cricket thing, I think that's way cooler than throwing your hat on the ice. You just win a hat. Yeah, you get a hat at the end, which is cool. I love winning anything. So um, I might start playing cricket. (laughs) Cricket's pretty cool to watch as well. My students play it quite a bit. So fun. Maybe stay tuned. We might uh, (laughs) um, give you cricket for dummies in the future. However, I hope this gives you like maybe a little bit more confidence if you're watching hockey and please remember that you can watch a pwhl streaming free on youtube at any time that there's a game which is awesome we love to support women in sports and if you have more questions about hockey don't ask us because that is everything that we know (laughs) (laughs) okay ames yeah having less children what's what's up with this what's going on well i mean 
There's so many things. I feel like this is a bit of a large topic, but I wanted to actually start with a bit of stats. So since 2009 Mm -hmm. in Canada, the birth rate here in Canada has actually been declining. So it's been like a slow decline. Currently reported in 2020, it was actually the lowest birth rate. So right now, I don't actually have the current stat of 2023, but in 2020, I can't. Yeah, I know it's 2024, but usually it's like your last year's stat. Good point. Stat. Yeah. Apparently, uh, but- this is women without children for dummies, too. <laughs> <laughs> In 2020, it was at 1.4 per woman. So there was only like, which is really interesting because we're actually coming close to being on another list as a as a nation entering the lowest of the low for fertility rates, which is starting at 1.3 and below. So I think this is really interesting. And another cool stat or not cool, but interesting is that the average age of mothers we're actually seeing to become older. And so right now, the current average reported in 2020 is 31.3 years old. So women aren't having kids till later, which is also interesting. Did they not move like geriatric pregnancy to an older age also? Yes. Yeah. What what is it now? I think it's 38. Like you're not Uh, a geriatric pregnancy till 38. Which also, I think that's something like cool. Yeah, like, I think it also like, there's lots of factors for that. I think it's also like your health and viability and like with... I also think it's because there's not a lot of research into like women and reproductive things. There's so many like intermittent fasting and the amount of sleep a human should get. Like these studies are done on men, not women. So... I was like, more studies are done on women. I mean, I think a lot more can be done in women's healthcare. Absolutely. Like, have I thought about being like going back and like being a gynecologist myself? Yeah, that has maybe crossed my mind because I think there's so many issues that are still like, I have questions about, I feel like it's hard to access good women healthcare as well. And so that's huge. But we're sidetracking because I want to talk about the real question, which is why are women having less and less children? And there's actually a bunch of factors, but the number Mm -hmm. one factor right now that's standing out is just simply affordability. And Mm -hmm. Alex, what do you like to say when I talk to you? In this economy? Yes. (laughs) In this, We're having babies in this economy? Exactly. It is absolutely true is that people are finding more and more it's becoming like inaffordable for themselves as is. So to bring a child into that is very like taxing. And with right now, even things like a housing crisis, people I think are a little more reserved at, you know, deciding to do this. It actually reminded me because in the sweat lodge before we went in, we got to introduce ourselves and I could not believe how many of these adults there were from huge and large families. Like people being like, oh, I have seven kids in my family. I have four. Yeah. And I was like, if you did this in a classroom today, like it wouldn't be as large, which is really interesting. Um, Sorry, just affordability of, of like, so having a child in Canada. It costs around like between ten and fifteen thousand dollars a year to raise a child. When you think of like I don't know food costs, childcare, all that kind of stuff. So like it's you have to budget for that. I would even say like ten you know? or fifteen a year seems so low in comparison to like what kids need now. Like the fair. Like, this is from our RBC. Yeah. For um cost of raising a child in Canada. I just like stat. Cool. I like this. Um, in the news, it was reported this fall. It was saying that there was so many like because of our economic instability, lots of mental health post um 
uh, COVID. Yeah, mm-hmm. dealing with lingering disruptions from the pandemic, compounding factors, this age group right now, like 15 to 29, have, and this is interesting, a lower quality of life, or they believe to be a lower quality of life, which I was like, ooh, this is kind of dark. And a huge part of that has to do with spending a large sum of their income on housing, which mm-hmm. is actually causing like, like, how do you, you have to plan, you have to organize yourself. And, and I know that's a huge, huge problem is that affordability piece. So like a hundred percent, like being set up, I know it makes me think, how did my parents do it? You know, mm-hmm. but anyways, there are other factors too. And you brought up some when we previously well- talked. Yeah. So like for me, I'm like, yes, there are these like different reasons like affordability. And I think like the way we see families looking now, um, there's like more acceptance for it to be different than like the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. However, I think the reason that like we have we can like let these factors be a reason or we can choose personally not to have kids is because like we know like we and speaking as women no longer need a man to participate in society and that has not been like very long that women have been able to like have their own job open a bank account without a husband own land without a husband like for many years a woman in Canada couldn't do those things without having a husband and so now you can choose to focus on your career you can choose like you can be like okay you know what I don't want to pass on my genetic or mental health genetics to the future generation but you can make that choice now because before you needed a man to participate in society and so there are all these reasons Mm -hmm. um however I think we have the freedom of choice now because we can be like an individual woman Mm -hmm. in society and honestly with you saying that you covered the main points um through my research which was choice of lifestyle, actively Mm -hmm. choosing not to, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, career focus and development, other motivations in their lives. And it's just taking off. And they're just like, I, you know, I want to focus on this. The other one that you kind of talked on there was intensive care. So women are still, I think, being left with a large sum of the roles. Mm -hmm. And absolutely. There was like this thing in psychology today that says a single mother has less housework than a mother with kids and a husband. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like, it just, it's just screaming that adult men are just babies. Like, they're just one more child for you to look after. Yeah. I mean, we could tap into that in an entire other episode because that stat is so alarming to me. But I also think it has to do with how the history of men has changed too and how men need to show up as more equal partnerships because historically they did have a responsibility to be this provider financially Mm. and stability but now they don't because women are working and things like this so those norms need to be you know Mm -hmm. shook as well like the woman wasn't like it wasn't a a household where two adults were working exactly because regardless if there's like the man is staying at home or the woman staying at home. If one person is staying at home, obviously um, it's like, okay, well, I don't get home to 7 p.m. Like let's maybe you're on dinner tonight kind of thing. But I feel like that expectation is still really there for women where it's like you work a full job, you come home, you child rear and you're in charge of the household duties. That's three full-time jobs. I know. I feel like I, and I've yielded this conversation with so many women my age who are still struggling because the men that they've married are men of that generation who were raised by 90s moms who literally did it all. And now we're kind of changing it. So, 
yeah, it's tough. We're rewriting history. We are women <laughs> and everyone, um, but it, it we need the work of men. Like we need that equal partnership to balance out. And I think that's just showing up in your partnership. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. can I ask you a personal question? Like what's your take on having kids? Like what, what mm-hmm. do you want? What do you think? Yeah, I've, I am here for it. I definitely, I've always pictured myself having children. I think for me right now, I'm still kind of in that phase of like having a partnership come into that to formulate a family, whatever family looks like, but it's not also beyond me to want to adopt someone later on if I biologically don't reproduce my own children. So that's where I'm at. What about you, Alex? So it's interesting. I feel like my idea on family shifted since I came out. Um, because like I never really had to think before when I was closeted and didn't when I was hiding my sexuality for myself think about like alternative ways to like have children but then when I came out and realized like oh I could have a female partner we're not going to be able to have children the quote natural way I've really like went towards a lot more like wanting to maybe adopt but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure that I want kids it's like it's one of those things that I think like oh I want down the line down the line and I just really don't think I want a baby <laughs> like I think mm. I think my thing now is like I do want a family unit of some sort and so I I'm kind of leaning more towards adopting um but older because I think that maybe will suit what I picture in my life a little bit more but but I don't know like it's never it's always on the horizon but it's never an immediate thing so but I also want to see like more more examples of women choosing not to have kids and um because I just find the like the story around it or the rhetoric around it is like you're gonna have regrets if you don't have kids and yeah. things like that and I'm at a place right now where I I know I wouldn't have regrets if I didn't have kids I would not have regrets I also wouldn't have regrets if I had kids yeah no I regrets feel, yeah <laughs> I feel like <laughs> similar like I but maybe a little bit stronger for like, I do always picture and also having my beautiful little niece has really like Mm -hmm. transpired me to be like, I really eventually do, but we'll see. Stay tuned. Season five. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, thanks for participating this. And you know what? I just like, while we talk about that, I appreciate you even talking about the vulnerability of like offering that but I think about it a lot where modern relationships like you just need to have that balance in partnership and so I mean the gays are doing it because they don't have those gender norms and roles about how is this equal partnership and so I think about that actually a lot where I'm like you know it's about showing up equally in this partnership so that one person isn't left and so there's no like ill feelings or bad experiences associated with having children that's but I also feel like it's just impossible. I think that the retirement age should be moved to 30. And then I think it'd be a lot easier to raise a family. Yeah, it's the busiest time or even going back maybe to having one parent at home or one like partner. How in this economy? I know. I know. I think we got it a little bit backwards. I was I had that same conversation last night. Absolutely. Capitalism has ruined. Yes, totally. Yeah. But we'll save that topic for another day. Thank you for uh, hearing our our little talk today jar of questions okay i love this question i saw it on instagram and it's like if you were packaged as a doll what two accessories would you come with 
So I'm going to just rephrase this like in a way because I've posted this to people and they're confused. They're like, I would have a lightsaber. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like what? <laughs> like two, real life. Okay. Real life. Like <laughs> what two things are you seen with so much that when they made a, a doll of you, an action figure of you, you would be packaged with those two things? Yeah. Well, I have one with me right now because it mm. goes everywhere with me. What is it? It is a water bottle. I would definitely- Emotional support water bottle. (laughs) Emotional support and a hydration support water bottle. (laughs) I'm that person. I always have a water bottle on me. It's coming everywhere. On holidays, on like travel, car rides, it's everywhere. It's always there. But I have like one question because like you always had that gold water bottle and now what is going on? The gold water bottle was retired, Alex. It's got a lot of stickers on it, but I actually dropped it and broke the lid. And so now it just Mm. serves as a vessel, but uh, I don't take that one. So I... I, I do swap out different water bottles, but accessories. See, this is what happens when we're long distance friends. I don't know that you have a new water bottle. <laughs> like you're finding a bottle live in your life? on air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine would be a water bottle. And then my second thing, and this is interesting because I still am blown away that Alex never uses this product, mm. lip chap. I'm a lip chapper. You'll find it in all my vehicles and purses and desk and everything. It's because I actually lick my lips a lot. And so I dehydrate them naturally. But yeah, cool. Thanks. Great story. (laughs) Alex, I want to know yours, even though I could totally picture yours. Yeah. So I mean, always have a book. I always am reading a book. And so I would be packed with a book and a hard boiled egg. I I love the hard-boiled egg. Could you imagine? No one is going to buy my action figure. (laughs) Like, you work. I just like, (laughs) I always need a snack on me. And I find hard-boiled eggs are portable. And they fill me up. They're like a mini meal. So I'm always going to have that hard-boiled egg. I I get it. I'm also on the hard-boiled egg journey. Do you ever, just want to ask you, do you ever feel like it's kind of smelly when you eat it in public. Oh, absolutely. So I was like riding in the back of my friend's car and I like just pulled out my egg. I didn't, I wasn't like warning I'm eating an egg. And um, when her and her husband looked back, they're like, oh, thank God you're eating an egg. I thought you were just <laughs> farting back there. <laughs> That's what I always picture about people eating eggs in public. Cause it does have kind of a farty smell to it. They don't smell good, but they yeah. fill you up. Yeah, it's the perfect snack. I get it. Yeah, so we want to turn it to you. What what two items are you being packaged with? This podcast is edited by myself, Avery Severs, and music is mixed by Moons Over Mars. 